0: Hello, hello. Hi, Maddie. Hi. Welcome back.
1: Two podcasts in under a week. Yeah. Look at us go. I know.
0: We're just churning them out.
1: We're churning out the content. If we're, I can use that.
0: Yeah, we're on a roll. I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how is how was your week? How how has your weekend been?
1: Um, it's been really good. I've been able to actually like catch one sleep. Like I felt like on Friday night I had like the my year of rest and relax relaxation yeah kind of sleep <laughs> yeah. I was just like in a very deep sleep and it felt amazing and now I actually do really yes. want to like do a year of rest and relaxation yeah I just want to take so a, good. a
0: five-year nap
1: yeah basically. exactly yeah until That's everybody nice. can, else can get their their shit together, then I, I will, yeah. I will <laughs> arise from hibernation. Yeah. Um, how about you? How's your weekend?
0: Been? Um, just uh, trying to stay inside as much as possible. I mean, it just now started getting really cold. Yes. So, um, yeah, I've been working on my hot toddy uh, recipe. Uh, Paul and I like every night last week. We were like, "All right, we got to fire up." I'm in I'm in toddy mode. You know, like we just it's like lemon, it's lemon juice, honey. Uh, we use it with James. we make it with Jameson and, uh, hot water, but I swear there's gotta be, then you can put a cinnamon stick in it, but I swear there has to be some other recipe out there because we've just been like grabbing anything we have around the house and like throwing it into hot water with Jameson and seeing if it tastes good. So, um, yeah, something we're working on.
1: I mean it sounds delicious.
0: It is good. I mean it's just hot water and alcohol and lemon juice so far. Um, so we just we've been eyeballing it so we, we have to get our uh, ratios down a little better. It
1: probably, it probably like really like clears the senses which is kind of like I mean I feel like I've been dealing with a cold lately because mm. of my work environment but
0: yeah um,
1: I need something that's gonna like clear the senses so maybe i you know, make yeah. a hot toddy
0: yeah I, I can't imagine working with kids like I would have to like sanitize <laughs> I would have to drink hand sanitizer before yeah. work every day
1: that but we do it for the children lot.
0: yes <laughs> the children are the future
1: exactly because well. I believe in them
0: Yeah, well, I've been um, really enjoying uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Uh, It's really good. Mm. Uh, My yeah, Paul and I watch it um, together, and it's really it's a great because it's a social activity when you watch a reality show. It's real. Reality shows are about how people are, you know, insane, and the characters are incredible. And it's just just fun to make fun of them. And then you get to talk about like, oh, well, this person should apologize because that and like she Mm -hmm. really needs to apologize and everybody needs to get. So, yeah, that's always fun. It's better than watching like a TV show, because I just feel like uh, scripted TV shows, there's not really a lot to talk about. It's just like, oh, my God, this happened. But Uh, when there's so much there's so much conflict in a reality show that there's so much to talk about and like so many different sides to (laughs) look at so
1: and to have it under the guise of it being real (laughs) yeah (laughs) like oh yeah like it's the illusion of reality is very enticing Mm -hmm. I feel like I also like that people on like Twitter get very into it yeah, I don't know, it's, just, I, it's just nice to have the communal kind of thing about it.
0: Yeah, it brings about a congregation of people. Um, of gay men, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just like I just like the editing it's, the editing is um, mostly what makes up a lot of the comedy uh, and. You know, it's just like the the talent just jumps out when you watch some of this because it's like, oh my God, that's amazing cuts, amazing reaction face.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I miss when I was really into like, I had like a New Jersey Housewives era. I feel like I need to get back into it.
0: Yeah, Salt Lake is really good. Uh, I, they're just so like rich Midwest, absolutely insane yuppie women with so many petty problems and they're mostly all criminals um (laughs) so
1: i love that for them
0: (laughs) yeah and like one of the the episode i just watched uh the fbi basically came to set to uh basically arrest jen shaw because she's being uh, indicted for fraud uh, because she <laughs> orchestrated a multi-level uh, Ponzi scheme telemarketing scam, uh, and it's just amazing.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, um, should we get into what we're here to talk about today?
0: Yeah, I sent this article to you. Uh, I, I, it's a art review article. I have never heard of this online publication, but uh, I was just. Uh, looking at some Jamie and Giuliano Valani paintings on the internet. And I found this interview from her and I just really like her attitude and her style towards creating stuff and how tenacious and optimistic she is towards just making her own shit. Cause she likes it. Uh, it's like the yeah, only def- attitude to have. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. She definitely is like our kind of artist. I feel like. She's just, like, very in-your-face, which is exciting and refreshing to have to read because so often artists are, like, oh, my God, like, my art is here to, like, change the world <laughs> and, like, all that stuff. And she's, like, no, like, I just want to make cool shit and I don't really care, like, if you like it or not, like, it just is what it is.
0: Yeah, and she says that she makes shit that she would like to see in her own apartment and... All the stuff that she makes, she genuinely gets excited about it. And the different uh, cultural images and objects and references that she posits together on her paintings, it genuinely throws you off. Because when you look at a painting from her, you're like, oh, my God, like, I've seen that image before, but I don't know where it's from. And it actually, like, makes you think and... Like punches you in the face, just the colors, the shapes um, yeah
1: I love when a piece of art punches me in the face like, yeah. I feel like that's what I want from a piece of art the the piece is called how do you pronounce her name?
0: Uh, Jamie and Giuliano Volani
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's called art or she says in the piece like art, it's an interview piece. And she says like, art is the one place where you should not censor anything. And she really goes into like, how the, the state of art is like really shitty because uh, like, um, people are like selling out in a way. Mm-hmm and they're selling out to because they they don't have and she says like because they don't have a goal they don't have a long-term goal Mm -hmm. which is something that I found really interesting
0: yeah like the only goal as a consequence of the internet social media age is to kind of open yourself up and spill out all of your guts for as many people to see as possible even People you don't know and people who are outside of your immediate community. But her paintings really feel like they were made uh, exclusively from her brain, for her brain, for herself. So you can really tell that she's actually stimulated and gets excited about her own work, which is really cool because, yeah, and a lot of uh, stuff people make right now, it just seems so meta, like hyper meta from anyone. So it's, uh, people who like make shit to kind of get attention from as many people as possible, uh, sometimes deny themselves the ability to, pick from and source from your own immediate community and make stuff for yourself and for, you know, other people in your, you know, in your friend group. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And she says like, you could sell out in a smart way yeah instead of just like getting money and looking dumb you can make everyone else look dumb which I feel like is what Dasha's kind of done like she's on a prestige television show Mm -hmm. but like now but it's like she's on one of the best shows on television and like she's really like doing the thing Mm -hmm. and she looks incredible and (laughs) yeah I just like and Yeah. Haters be damned.
0: Yeah. And the key is to really be uncompromising. And when you're uncompromising, uh, you can get a lot of attention from uh, being stubborn. And in that way, it makes you actually transgressive and not, you know, without trying to be transgressive or trying so apparently to make a statement. Uh, You know, it's so easy to be like, this is just my version of reality and this is the way I see the world and no one else can convince me otherwise, because this is just my immediate community and my sub subjective experience. So.
1: Right. It's like, it's about staying true to. Yeah. The vision. It's
0: all have. about me. It basically is just all about me.
1: <laughs> because art is a narcissistic impulse to, mm-hmm. to an extent. I mean, I know a lot of people like to make it about like, changing the world but like even that's what like uh jimmy on giuliano villani jimmy on the giuliano,
0: white jumped out
1: <laughs> what jimmy on juliano says about um that wait what was i talking about exactly. um, oh my god what was i talking about what were we talking about? Oh my God. I'm so, well, I was just, no, no,
0: you're totally fine. (laughs) No, I, I I was just saying, um, how like making shit (laughs) make, no art is narcissistic endeavor and making shit uh, for yourself, uh, should be celebrated.
1: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, go ahead
0: to, well, to kind of like piggyback off of that. I recently watched the dash snow documentary, uh, on it's on movie. I think it's, uh, accessible on other streaming platforms. But uh, Dash Snow was this uh, very prolific uh, photographer and graffiti, graffiti artist and skater. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, really made a, a profound impact on his community. And uh, the documentary is great because it kind of opens. And within the first 20 minutes, he kind of talks about, you know, I started uh making shit just for myself I don't care about anyone else I don't have any money I just only care about like my crew and that's why when I was uh, younger I really really liked graffiti and was really into all of that stuff because uh, graffiti art and tagging and you know throw up on the walls and stuff. It's a uh, referential of your own uh, identity and your own community. It's not made to be accessible for anyone else. It's about literally putting your tag on a wall on someone else's property um, and saying like this is me, like this is my shit and I don't care. You know, I'm just going to like deface everything and um right. which is cool.
1: Well it but it sucks that like the art world is kind of like in- encroached upon it, and tried to, like, take it in as mm-hmm. its own thing to commodify it, and because, yeah. like, isn't Basquiat, like, kind of, like, a graffiti, didn't start, he started off as, like, a graffiti artist a little bit?
0: Uh, yeah, sort of, he was, like, a Warhol poster child, yeah. and yeah, he, his stuff is amazing, but you know, on that same note, like the Basquiat thing is just so sad because his legacy has completely been defiled by Uniqlo, H&M, so many people who have Jay-Z, so many, uh, uh, you know, uh, brands that have kind of reappropriated his art and his images and the actual kind of meaning uh, from that that's evoked by his work has been kind of uh, dissolved and lost in the conversation and it's turned now into this weird cultural status symbol. Um, Yeah, it's, it's very sad, but, uh, and obviously, you know, all of these things kind of eventually are reappropriated by large corporations and then the spiritual energy behind it kind of falls and craters and is forgotten, but you know, I, I think it, it's neither, you know, bad or good or something to be moralized. I think uh, the important thing is to just keep the conversation going and keep the original spirit that has preceded the art alive, you know?
1: Yeah, because it's like, Andy Warhol, like, he, he took in the imagery from, like, capitalist imagery. Mm-hmm. But then, like, eventually, then the capitalist <laughs> image, like, capitalist got a hold of it. And then, like, they totally lost sight of, like, what the joke was, Mm -hmm. and, like, now, like, there's a Starbucks in Italy because of (laughs) Andy Warhol, as Friendly Woods likes to say, like, so it's just, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting how, like, the joke can, like, get lost in the chaos of it all.
0: Well, I mean, that's why I have always been a huge fan of rap music and the, African American cultural tradition because it's exclusively just about mo- most of the time and at least that's how it started it's about their own immediate s- subjective community it's not necessarily or maybe it started out as not being made for anyone else other than you know their own you know community and crew and um yeah and, and so many incredible Of culture has been born out of, uh, you know, rap and hip hop. Um, And yeah, it's just like an incredible way that we can kind of look at these things that were once meant to be exclusively for, you know, each other and each other's communities. And their ultimate goal has never been to kind of, you know, sell out necessarily to anyone. And that's kind of the whole point. It's like the it's like the old like hip hop and uh, rap is so synonymous with like punk punk music and like a punk sensibility. Um, But it's also not only is it transgressive transgressive, but it's also very aspirational. And rap is has always been important to me because rap to me has been the only uh, mode of storytelling and music making that truly you know, imagines a world and a lifestyle beyond its own self. It's all about you know aspiring to something great and telling everyone to fuck off. And you can suck my ass <laughs> at the end of the day. It's like, well, yes, you know?
1: yes, and like that energy is so like, like exciting. And mm-hmm. it's, but it's like it's. It is kind of unfair Mm -hmm. that we expect these artists to have like these super long careers when it's like in reality, like the longer the career goes and the more successful that you go, like you start to become if if you're not like hyper aware of it and vigilant, like you start to then lose sight of like what that thing was that Mm -hmm. was like making you exciting. Like I feel like Lana like is like starting to like be able to like. Uh, c- craft a way of longevity for herself, mm-hmm. whereas like, because she's like seeing that like the the schoolgirl Lolita thing isn't working mm-hmm. for her now that she's now like in her mid thirties. So it's like you you do have to have that awareness of that of like that thing and like I don't know, but like that is so like as an artist, like that would be so exhausting. Mm -hmm. I I think,
0: yeah, I think my worst fear is ascending into success so quickly that you, yeah, I have no choice to other than to just become a product of my own original product. So once something like hits off, you're kind of encouraged and incentivized to do the same thing over and over again, and uh, dis- discouraged to you know, change change things up and you know, in- create some kind of new novelty. Because you know, I feel like culture should ultimately create some kind of novelty, forge some kind of new meaning, and imagine something beyond uh, the present, but while also expressing the way you view things about the, about your current situation. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like I was saying, I, I look at all of these, uh, very successful people in media and it's just kind of sad because at some point you get so large that you're encouraged to just be a meme of yourself
1: yeah. And
0: it's weird, because, like, like, you just end up uh, dredging up all of the leftovers, you know, and just, like, feeding them for the populace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, like, like Susan Sontag became very much, like, a meme of herself mm-hmm. towards the end, because she, like, she couldn't keep up with everything that she was, like, doing, you know, and she became very out of touch with like that, that working class spirit, that avant-garde spirit that she had in her younger career, in her early career, and then, yeah, she kind of just like faded off, which is so like sad.
0: Yeah, and what's really intimidating and makes me really nervous is that you know, what if like something does take off and then you're kind of not encouraged to drop it all and leave it all behind and reimagine yourself and grow and change? Um, like everybody, you know, is constantly growing and changing and changing their minds about different things. Like I'm always changing my mind and my opinions are always changing constantly about different things. You know, I'm not going to have the same opinion about one thing throughout my whole life, you know? So I mean, every single day, like I'm illuminated by some new information then makes my head like spin around and I'm like, oh shit, like maybe I'm wrong, you know? (laughs)
1: Well, like, that's, I feel like that's how, like, that's what any good, like, critic would do is, like, allow themselves to be open to any kind of yeah. new thing, um, but, like... Allow
0: yourself to be a bottom.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta take it sometimes. So, like, uh, Giuliano Valani talks about, like...
0: <laughs> J- you can just call her Jamian.
1: Jamian. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was gonna call, I was gonna like reference her last name since I don't know. Oh, her.
0: okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> also, her last name is a lot easier yeah. to say for me for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but they talk about um, art rank. I never mm-hmm. heard about art rank.
0: Mm-mm. I don't know any of these things. I just kind of curate them from the internet I'm like oh that's cool
1: (laughs) yeah so apparently art rank was like where they would rank the artist's work like with buy now or sell now Mm -hmm. or like peaking which is like such a morbid way in which to talk about art that it is just like this thing this piece and like that no one is like dealing with it meeting it at its emotional level, you mm-hmm. know?
0: It's only and, measured by its metrics and attention, grabbing quality and self-references, self-refer- self, uh, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she, like, goes on to say, like, because it like it doesn't exist anymore but she said it stopped because someone saw it It was like really fucking evil which it is it's like high school shit you know also Mm -hmm. like as a painter you already feel like a cheese ball you know Mm because like most painting sucks and then you have to go through that like Mm -hmm. it just yeah
0: yeah well she definitely uh, kind of uh, is extremely honest about a lot of things I think you already feel as an artist you feel very embarrassed to be an artist and performer I feel like there is some kind of because of uh, artistry comes with a desperation there is a sort of shame that comes with it because you're like oh most shit sucks and by virtue of this most of my shit is gonna suck at first at least right and I want people to look at my shit but I don't want it to be completely just like a, a sellout product. I just want to have it be actually good and uh, you know evoke kind of, some kind of spiritual, metaphysical uh, feeling. Uh, but I, I really like that she's very humble about everything that she does and her career and. Uh, Mostly she's very inspiring to me because, uh, you know, she talks about in the article how, you know, she puts together a lot of these uh, exhibitions and she's like, I know that it's going to be expensive. I'm going to pay for it myself. It's going to be like a financial loss for me, but I don't I don't care. I just want to make some good shit. Um, And then like there was another interview with her where she talks about how once she has an assignment that someone is paying for, now it becomes work, it becomes a job that's stressful. Uh so that that kind of sucks about about it, but I think sh- what's great about her is that she kind of keeps the momentum going and you know all of her you can tell that in her paint- paintings it's she's excited. there's a lot of energy there's movement in her paintings and I feel like when I look at one of her pieces, it's kind of only it's like moving there's so much energy um, and there's a lot of emotion. yeah.
1: I feel like such a piece of shit because <laughs> I haven't looked at that many of her paintings. <laughs>
0: They're so good. I mean, a lot of her stuff, she, you know, says, I love to just go to the library and, like, look at different images and cultural artifacts. And then I kind of just put them, piece them all together and chop them up and screw them up and just see what what looks good. Um, And yeah, a lot of her, uh, images that she pulls from are very like cartoony and vi- bright and vibrant and it's really fun and exciting and has a lot of, uh, momentum and in-, in them that like make me feel like, oh shit, like this is actually saying something and I don't know where I've seen this image before and it's confusing to me, but I'm familiar with it, and there's a large part of familiar familiarity that runs very rampant in her work, which makes them like fun and accessible.
1: Is she like Americana?
0: She's Americana, definitely. I she's uh, Italian, I presume.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I would that's say she's.
1: Very, that's why she's I can't amazing. say her name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, she's an American girl. <laughs> yeah, we love that. I mean,
1: Yeah. I love Americana. Yeah. I I love, I love America. Me too. Yeah. I'd never leave it.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: This is a pro America podcast. Yeah.
0: It's like, where, where are you going to move to? Uh, Canada? No. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Canada's like America light. Like I can't, like, there's nothing, I don't, I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't like offend the Canadian audience that we have but I just don't feel any desire to go to Canada
0: no me neither I'm already so up north that I'm like I feel like I'm already terrestrially in Canada anyway and I don't have any desire to be any more colder than I already am I'm just cold all the time so (laughs) yeah I'd rather not
1: (laughs) um there was a part in the her article where she says like why can't you be snarky why can't you be an asshole you have to be like soft all the time now you're (laughs) supposed to be thinking all the time like questioning shit see that is what I am trying to avoid at all costs like I like not the snarky or asshole Mm -hmm. part, but like the thinking all the time. Like, I'm so tired of thinking. Yeah. That's why like, I just want to (laughs) give myself over to any kind of emotion, which I know is like, they consider it reactionary, but like, and low, low thinking. But like, I think emotions can tell us a lot about humanity that your average or like your thinking cannot always tell us.
0: Yeah, I don't want to apply any more critical theory to anything. I'm tired of being critical in a very highly intellectual way. I mean, I I like uh, intellectual things, but most of That's our true. most of our waking lives are not so steeped in theory and theorizing about things. You know, we're really just all trying to kind of make it through the day and pay our bills. And uh, th- there are things that are so commonplace, I think, that people really avoid about the present and daily life. Uh, and all of her paintings are, I feel like, are just about a daily experience and very commonplace accessible experiences.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I was talking to Alex, friend of the blog, this weekend <laughs> about... Um children of men because i watched mm-hmm. it after a good one. Uh, after the pete dog i had to like reorient myself. yeah you
0: have to yeah.
1: <laughs> and i wanted to watch it because it's been on my mind a lot lately because of like uh the decadent society roster that references it in that book mm-hmm and so it's just been on my mind, and Alex was like, don't watch it for the philosophical stuff, yeah. just watch it, because it's a great film, and yeah, I mean, and it is, like, there are such great images that come in that film, like, the part where she, like, reveals the baby among mm-hmm. the cows, <laughs> like, I wanted to cry when I was watching that part, because yeah. it was so beautiful, and I was like, oh my god, like, this is, like, mother nature the life force coming at us Mm -hmm. through the screen yeah it was so I mean I've watched that film before I watched it but I watched it when I was like too young to even like really get the weight of it I feel like Mm -hmm. and like now that that film is like now becoming our reality it seems like although Mm -hmm. like we're not having babies by choice not by like some weird experimental although we'll we'll see what happens with these vaccines (laughs)
0: yeah i <laughs> i really i haven't seen that movie in like probably like four years but i need to watch it again um it's
1: a but, great palate cleanser after the dock. yeah
0: after the peat doc you need to like get a facial take five showers you know read a book <laughs> oh you Wait. know what you know what i just finished i just finished um melissa broder's uh, latest novel, Milk Fed. Oh, yeah. It's really, it's it was really good. I I think she's she's kind of like a guilty pleasure for me because her writing is very girly and um, she mostly writes just about her depression, addiction, and mommy issues. But she kind of keeps the ball rolling. And the way she describes a lot of her inner turmoil and all of her characters, interpersonal issues and mental health afflictions is done in a really poetic way. And whenever she describes kind of the mental states of, you know, her interior life or the interior lives of her characters, it's always done in a way that you never knew an emotion until she kind of pinpointed it and, mm. you know, put it in a different, uh, you know, she just kind of grabs a bunch of words together and describes something in a completely new way that you wouldn't even think to describe it as before. Um, so, yeah, her writing is really good. And honestly, I just really like a good old fashioned lesbian romance. You know, it was kind oh, of like a lesbian nice. uh, romance novel. It's about a, a girl who meets this Orthodox Jewish woman at a frozen yogurt shop and hmm. they kind of have this very steamy romance <laughs> together.
1: That it was great. Delightful. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was great. I really enjoyed
1: it. Have you read the Pisces?
0: I, yeah, I read the Pisces. I really like the Pisces a lot, definitely.
1: Yeah, they're making it into a film.
0: Yeah, well, well wonderful. I'm excited. <laughs> I hope it's good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, cuz they're making everything into films these days. Yeah.
0: I I sometimes I'm just like, you know, it's like the Taylor Swift thing. I'm, like, I'm going to make a movie out of my song, you know. Sometimes I really feel like, you know, uh, there are some things I'm good at and some things I'm not very good at. You know, I'm kind of okay at doing this. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'm good at drawing, but it, I'm not great at it. You know, I don't need to dip my toes into so many different holes you know, I feel like people just need to stay in their lane, you know?
1: Yes. That is the Andy Warhol Elvis painting. Andy Warhol's, Andy Warhol has this painting of Elvis where he has like multiple different Elvises going at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was like to, it was all about like how Elvis has to be like different things all at once. Like he has to be uh, the veteran, he has to be the singer. He has to be the actor. He has to be the father. He has to mm-hmm. be all these different things. The husband, all these things, and it's like that's like the world that we live in. It's like these we're we're just like we expect our celebrities, our artists to be yeah. like all these different things. When it's like, you know, I, we need just a good songwriter, you mm-hmm. know, who can who can really the like put all their energy into songwriting, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, or like yeah. writing or whatever. Yeah.
0: Well, that's how I feel about Jamian's paintings because you can just tell she's a natural at what she does. And she's just a painter who's really, really good at what she does and she's not anything else. And she doesn't really claim to be anything else. She's just like, whatever. I just paint. <laughs> that's just what I do. Uh, so yeah. Like I'm, I'm a, uh, I, I always like definitely by virtue of uh, having the same bachelor's degree as everyone else, you know, I don't consider myself an intellectual or smart whatsoever. I just kind of <laughs> pick different shit that I'm interested in and try to kind of explore and go a little deeper. Uh, and hopefully I'm hitting the nail on the head, but Oh, well.
1: <laughs> but it also it's like, it's not up for like us as the artists or the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> to decide. Like, it's up for the, because like, uh, Jamion, did I say it right? Jamion. <laughs> Jamion <laughs> says, like, <laughs> good art is doing what you want, you know, and like not thinking about what someone else is going to see. Like, mm-hmm. that's selling out, actually. It's literally caring too much about other people's thinking, how it can be read and interpreted and mm-hmm. not doing what you really want to do, that's when art starts to suck. And that's why art has been so bad for the past couple of years because everyone's terrified to fuck up and just doing things for other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, something I recently read, I don't know if this is true, but apparently the uh, advent of the artist statement was is actually a pretty new invention. It's only started... It. Yeah, it only started... Uh, being academically you know done in the 90s Uh, so it really was just kind of an advent of the 90s and then people just kept doing it and then it kind of uh, became like a weird requirement to put an artist statement out Uh, and it's really interesting because sometimes I like artist statements and sometimes they kind of drone on a little bit Uh, but I was talking to uh, some buddies of mine and they were like you know sometimes I just like put a poem down and like that's the statement or I just like say like a couple sentences Um, that
1: shit's interesting and more compelling to me than you telling me (laughs) that like you want to your art is about um the intersectionality of (laughs) women and um and society or whatever shit that you want to talk about like in your piece of art like that shit doesn't like that shit goes right over my head, honestly. And I start to drown it out.
0: Yeah. And even if something does evoke like the intersectionality between arts and tech, like that's not necessarily for you know what, once you put something out into the world, it's no longer yours anymore. Now it's for someone else. And if that person thinks like, oh, this is like a feminist piece of that, or this person thinks it's anti-capital or whatever, (laughs) you know, it's not necessarily uh, anything for you to have control over. Um, Like obviously something that reminds me of this is the Emily Ratajkowski book that's coming out. Did you start it yet? (laughs)
1: Um, no, it's 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 on my desk waiting yeah. to be opened.
0: That's awesome. I'm excited because <laughs> I listened to an interview from her, and she was just like, you know, I was really anxious because I revealed a lot of things about my life in the essays, and I this book is sort of a practice on control and controlling a narrative. But you could tell she's kind of realizing that by <laughs> exercising some some mode of control or trying to have control and convincing people it you know it doesn't do anything people just have their own interpretation and takeaways at the end of consuming something and uh once you just sign it all away it's you know it no longer becomes um you know a product of you it's almost like when you reveal certain personal things about your life to massive amounts of people it's no longer yours anymore. It's a weird product and piece of information that people glob onto and write hit pieces about it and articles about it. Um, But I mean, other than that, I mean, I'm excited to read her book. I think she's a really cool girl.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and sometimes like, it seems like artists sometimes over-politicize their artwork to a degree, like I, or like when they talk too much about their artwork to make it seem like it's more relevant or to make it relevant, I guess, they uh, end up doing a disservice to the piece of art. Like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, like regardless of what you (laughs) think about Hamilton, but like the fact that like, there's like a social justice Hamilton uh, Instagram page, like there's no need for a piece of art to be like the jumping off point for that, I feel like you know and it only makes the art piece more alienating to people you know yeah
0: i mean politics to me references to me politics is means the public so anything that has to deal with public consensus a public decision i just don't want any part of that i i just know what i want and what i think is cool and also the public terrifies me like i i hate going i hate going out in public, you know, being, you know, privy to massive amounts of people, um, and being watched by massive amounts of people, uh, The uh, living in the city But also being a subject of The surveillance state you know Right There's only so so much uh, public uh, discourse uh, To be a part of and public scenes To be a part of And I think my scene is cooler And my exclusive you know It's about exclusivity which makes stuff cool It's like everybody else is part of the public You're just a public um, civilian I guess (laughs) The whole point is to be like you're a civilian I'm the artist who has a cool community And that's what makes my shit good and if, and if you're here, we can be part of our crew. It's like, the, you know, it's like, I mean, when I was watching the Dash Snow documentary, it's like, it's so true. It's like everything that he did, he just took pictures of his environment and his buddies and, uh, you know, his friends and he made them for everyone that was in his immediate circle.
1: Yeah, not all gatekeeping is bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, there should be more gatekeeping for sure. <laughs>
1: Right, like, the democratization of art cannot be good for art making, for the artists, and for the public.
0: No, I mean, well, have you, I mean, once again, have you ever seen public art? Like, public art is really gross. (laughs) Like statues, like statues uh, in uh, the park. I mean, it's just meant to be an extension of the public sphere. And by virtue of that, it's just supposed to be very commonplace. You don't
1: like the bean, Maddie?
0: I don't like the bean. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I know,
1: it is a tourist trap for sure. Well, I
0: actually, okay, I actually like the bean. Uh, First of all, it's called Cloud (laughs) Gates. Okay. Um, it's supposed to represent the, uh, difference between, uh, the sky and the, well, I don't, I don't know what the hell it's supposed to mean, but I just I know it was
1: for like the millennium. That's why it's part of millennium. Yeah so, Park. It's,
0: yeah. so it's supposed to represent the new millennium and in a weird way, it kind of does cynically like evoke the null <laughs> how everything is kind of nullified because the statue is sort of uh, supposed to represent, uh, a mesh between the, To uh, uh, sexes genitalia so it's just kind of like a glob of a bean sort of situation it's just like a hump so it's not a penis it's not a vagina it's just like a mound um so it
1: really (laughs) predicted the the androgynous non-binary state that we live in now
0: yeah you know in a weird way it was supposed to be sort of a beacon for the new millennium and uh I don't know. To to me, it's just like a huge hub for germs. Everybody goes there and puts their <laughs> hands on it. And if you go there and you stand under it, it's not even shiny. They do clean it, but it's not even shiny. It's just a bunch of smears from people's dirty, grubby hands. And right. uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've been I think there's so, so many times I'm just like, it's it's there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I do like that concert hall that they have there. That's really pretty. You
0: no, know, it, it is really pretty, and there's uh, a nice like zen garden with a little uh, stream of water there's a bunch of cool stuff and And i i I think our uh, art institute is really good too
1: yes i totally Mm -hmm. agree i got and i got free gelato in millennium park the one time i went so it's Mm -hmm. not all bad
0: (laughs) no it's really it's fun um but yeah uh I'm always attracted to stuff that seems like it's out of my reach and it's a part of something that I'm not a part of because that is what makes it enticing and aspirational because it makes me say like, Oh shit. Like I wish I was like a part of that group or part of that scene because it's so different from what I currently have. Um, yeah.
1: I always feel like I seek out like things that like have, like massive emotional weight to them. I want something that's like going to really fuck me up.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I like horror movies. I really want to be traumatized by a horror movie. I really want it to sit with me and uh, mess with my emotions and give me nightmares.
1: Yeah. I want to transcend.
0: Yeah. Speaking of that, I had a weird sleep paralysis experience last night. I was lying in bed and I woke up and I still felt like I was in a dream, but the dream was I was in my bed and I was just in my room. And then I look to my left and out of my window is this woman who is floating (laughs) on her backside and she's entering from my window feet first. And it's just this woman who's like wearing this translucent white dress who's horizontal and slowly hovering over me. And I tried to try to, I tried to escape out of my body and swipe her away because I was so <laughs> terrified, but I couldn't escape my body. I was trying to move or talk or scream or say something, but I couldn't move. It was so scary.
1: <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't like Lana? Because She said white dress. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I would it, love for Lana to come through my window.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a nice visitation. I was just so confused because I was like, "Who is this weird yeah, what do woman?" You want from me? I know yeah. it is kind of weird because my building is is extremely old and like probably about hundred a hundred years old. So I'm sure there's some kind of like ghost or spiritual, you know, spirits running around here.
1: You need Demi Lovato to come in there and do some. <laughs>
0: I know. I need to contact uh, the Lovato Ghost Hunters nine one one show or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, that could be funny.
0: Yeah, I want her to do a reading or something on my apartment. I would really like that.
1: Yeah, they would just say like, she has trauma. <laughs> Oh, um, you know, oh,
0: so on the on the topic of uh, things that are referencing the present and referencing te- tech, the technology state and songs that, you know, are like, I love my iPhone or like I love Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I Always I'm always looking for like shit that like evokes the the present, modern reality and is referencing modernity. but it's always done in a way that's so in your face and so literate and not an abstraction of modern modernity. Um, I, the only song that I felt the, the last time truly references the incoming uh, looming information social media age. Is the song "Hacker" by Death Grips, and the way that he articulates whatever the hell he's trying to say in this song, every every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh shit! I feel like I'm in 2009, and there's this huge tsunami of the social media information uh, age, and a huge conglomerate of a demon that's about to enrapture me and drown me into a ghastly void of overloading my brain with like information and like frying me and electrocuting me he likes talks about a snake giving birth in an apple store um (laughs) it's like very like scary and intense and uh, insane I feel like that's the only song I feel like has truly evoked the present and like the oncoming, you know be- being a subject of the surveillance state <laughs> and whatever. But, um, yeah, it's in a way you can't really articulate but the way he does it is a very abstract a very abstract way.
1: Well yeah, like 2009 was like the beginning of like when Twitter and Facebook were really having like they hadn't like exploded onto the cultural landscape yet, but like they were still very niche. With yeah. like, they were,
0: yeah, they were like young, 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 fresh things, and it's weird now. It's like my my parents were never the social media people, but now they're like ticking away and they can't get off their phones. It's like it should yes. be it should be just a kid's thing, and whenever I see grown adults using social media as an extension of their interpersonal life, I I get secondhand embarrassment because I'm like, this should be a child's toy. <laughs>
1: Truly, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it, yeah, grow up. <laughs> if you, you, you adults that use Facebook, grow up.
0: I, I just use Facebook so I can find out who died. I just want to know, like, who's getting married, who, oh. you know, who, who's disappeared, who's died, basically. <laughs> it's like the only no, reason I why I use do it, it, it anymore.
1: <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. I just do Insta and Twitter, and that gives me enough mental illness.
0: Yeah, I, I also don't know how to use Twitter um, because I don't like these apps that up you know give you an update that you have to update every other month. Like my friend just apparently you can make a theme to your group chats on Instagram. I don't even know how yeah. to do that. I didn't update my app yet. My app is still the, the same uh, user interface from six months ago. And I just get annoyed because every time Instagram, like any of these apps, update their user interface, I get so confused because I'm like, how do you post? I feel like an old person. I'm like, how do you make a story? Like, where's the button? Like, it's all over the place. I hate it.
1: Yeah, I just like share like my like things that I'm interested in right now, things that are on my mind. Well, next time, and I try not to be clever with my post, like my my captions anymore. Like, now I've gotten to the point where I just, like, want to post the image and then move on with my day.
0: Yeah, and I always feel embarrassed whenever I write something on the internet because it presumes that I'm, like, this kind of person that's addressing my public and making a (laughs) huge statement, like, a famous person so all of my fans can see what I'm up to. Like, no one's reading captions, so... I just, I I don't know, like it works for some people, but for me, I just feel so embarrassed because I'm like, who am I to address the public in this way? You know?
1: Yeah, I I feel like the only person who's getting away with it right now is Britney Spears because she's really dropping a lot of shit in those captions. Oh
0: yeah. Britney Spears terrifies me, by the way, because you can tell (sighs) she's so insane, I would be terrified to meet her. She just seems like she's absolutely traumatized to the point of, like delusion which honestly kind of makes her super super cool and why her instagram is amazing basically well
1: now she's now she's on the loose so
0: yeah now she's on the loose so look out world <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah i mean good for her but i'm honestly worried about all these like free britney freaks like what are they gonna do what, yeah, what well, social they- justice movement are they gonna latch onto next
0: y- yeah and they just like well, then you just hop on to the next topic, and I I, I don't know I'm I'm not like really fired up about any current public events or public experience right now. Everything's kind of dull and boring, which really how it should be. <laughs> you know, public the public sphere kind of really should be pretty un uh, uninteresting.
1: Yeah, like the mo- like the only interesting thing that's being reported on is that. Biden is like shitting his pants. Okay, <laughs> and that's all amazing. World, all these world leaders
0: he just left a little piece of him behind. Yeah, you know? <laughs> God, it's so you, embarrassing. a little, uh, a little gift from the USA.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's very metaphorical. Yeah.
0: I, and it's like, he's Catholic. So he probably was so excited to meet the Pope, but I don't, I don't know. I just feel like
1: but he also we should in front have of send, the royals. Yeah, we should just send Honestly, yeah, a should.
0: hologram. We should just send a hologram, like you know, usual.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, now with like the metaverse, that's gonna. I, uh, mean,
0: I would, I would just like to say, I applied to four jobs at Meta or whatever the hell this com- new company is or Facebook. I don't know, but their <laughs> their uh careers page on their website does not work because so many people are applying for jobs you basically click the position you want to apply for and then it gives an error or it takes five minutes to load or half the page Mm -hmm. loads. You know, (laughs) it's like a complete piece of shit. Like these people like claim, like they want to make a new world and make a new thing, but it doesn't even work. And I can speak from experience. I work at a tech company and nothing works. It's like all fake, you know, it takes, you know, six months just to, uh, put in one one new button or one new piece of code or whatever (laughs) they do and whenever we ask for new like products or new capabilities or new logic we want to build into the product it takes literally like a year
1: (laughs) that's the sign of a decadent society as ross do that (laughs) says which seems to be like the theme of the the season we're like really we're really going all in on the decadence this season yeah
0: well it's it's decadent because there's just too much shit and
1: yeah, and are stagnating.
0: Yeah, because there's too much shit, I just get so confused and end up being very uninformed and brain dead mm-hmm. because I'm not being pointed in the right direction. I'm being pointed in 5 billion different directions and 5 billion different platforms and TV shows. And it's just too much.
1: <laughs> so do we want to get into our next topic, our next article that we that you mm-hmm. found, the queen of articles.
0: Yeah, which wait, which which article was this?
1: The content one.
0: Oh yeah, the content the content era. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this a uh, Harvard PhD person wrote for the journal or for post 45 wrote about content. And she writes that previously, the word content had been used often by academics and media industry insiders to refer to anything conveyed by a medium or form, TV content, the content, or like the content of a poem. But beginning around 2009, that's when that's when your <laughs> friend wrote that song, <laughs> it also took on a narrower, more pejorative connotation. Content today suggests entertainment, typically digital that is a mere byproduct or afterthought, designed to do little more than facilitate some profit-driven process like advertising or data collection. Mm -hmm. Content is not exactly a medium like television, at least not in the same way, nor is it a genre like the sitcom. Rather, it connotates something more like a class, a particular stratum in this case, or in this case lower, of some broader category like craft as opposed to art. We easily call a Buzzfeed listicle content, but less quickly apply the term to a New Yorker poem. Mm-hmm. So digital age content, we're well, it, with everything. Also,
0: um, well, I was gonna say the, um, the topic of how uh, content is so uninspiring, unsatisfying, not, uh, you know, libidinally enticing at all is sort of a subconscious uh, expression um, from like a lot of like millennials. I think now that it's a popular topic to talk about how content sucks and everything is bad is sort of this weird millennial expression for our collective dissatisfaction with the future. So like if you told like me as a child in the early 2000s oh in the future there's gonna be 5 million tv shows a new show every week a new thing every other like a movie every two years by the same guy or whatever um that would be very exciting but then it's like when you get there you're like oh this is it (laughs) it's like when i wanted i wanted to when i would see like my parents wear nice wool blazers to the office in like the early 2000s 90s I really aspire to be like that. And then now when I get here and I'm in my professional uh, girl bossing uh, realm, I'm like, I go out to buy a blazer and it's made of like plastic. <laughs> and I'm like, this is it. This is what I get.
1: <laughs> right. Well, mm-hmm. and I, I think like, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but yeah, I think your parents were probably not as like uh, satisfied probably as, you know, as the same you know like I don't know
0: yeah I mean like, it's, the ulti- it's the ultimate this tr- the ultimate um trajectory for you know what once you desire to have something it brings you more satisfaction to aspire and desire to something that's out of reach but then when- once you finally reach for it and get it you're like oh this is not what I expected at all
1: <laughs> right <laughs> it sucks. Like, yeah because like life is suffering to a degree. And so, like, I don't know, I don't think like a job, you know, is necessarily going to I mean, the stability of it is nice, like the stability mm-hmm. that they had was nice. But I I I think that generally human beings were probably just as dissatisfied to a degree mm-hmm. as they are now. It's probably I mean it probably is worse now, but mm-hmm.
0: you know, but there's always it, a, a sense yeah. of
1: dissatisfaction.
0: Well, yeah, I think absolutely on thieves psychological level but on the material level right. most things just are either not made in america they're outsourced to wage uh, slaves in like yeah. taiwan somewhere and they're all made of polyester or like rayon and not uh, well crafted <laughs> you know and on in the digital in the digital sphere everything's made to please as many people as possible and saying so many things that it basically just says nothing (laughs) so um i guess like on on the material level there should be something that like everyone can come together around and collectively decide oh this is good but there's so much crap it's like we can't i i'm like lost
1: (laughs) right well that's probably why like shows like succession are such like a rarity, and why like they are having the impact that they're having is because like it's able to like cut through every all this bullshit and rise to uh, the surface, and it's okay. actually good.
0: Yeah, and it kind of it's weird because it is a drama, but it's also a satire. It's kind of making a satirical statement. On uh, family and interpersonal and public life and political life. That's really smart and exciting. And in that way, it almost does read like a reality show because everyone on that show is out for their own political gain. And they don't treat anyone like people, they treat everyone like arms for their own succession, basically. <laughs> and also, Adam McKay is gen- uh, it's, re- it's created by Adam McKay. And I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and um, Jesse Armstrong. Um, and like the writing generally is generally very, very good.
1: Because it has like a libidinal life force at its core.
0: Yeah. And working in media also is extremely horny. I I worked at two advertising agencies and it's too much. It's like, everybody is so horny. Everyone sleeps with each other, cheats on each other, gets drunk with each other in the office. And it just makes me very scared. I I personally had a horrible experience. So if you're working at an advertising agency or creative agency, and you're having the time of your life, I envy you because my experience was traumatic. (laughs) So, um, but yeah. I'm
1: just, I'm just waiting for Dasha to, to yell fuck off.
0: I know, I really, I would really enjoy that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like they, the writer talks about like spreadable media, which sounds god-awful. <laughs> but she I don't want the
0: word like, spreadable in anything. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, like especially with like art or media, like yeah, it just like sounds awful. Um, but Cause it sounds like it like, well, like it, it's like fat, like it will, I don't know. It just sounds gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, she says that it's like media created not simply for top-down distribution, but also for grassroots circulation. It must attract eyeballs or earn impressions to be sure, but it's more insistent to purpose is to be shared, remixed or reappropriated by people who want to communicate something about themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: like, yeah, basically memes yeah <laughs> which like memes are great
0: mm-hmm. but
1: at a certain point it's like we need something much more than that we need something that's going to like s- stick with us because memes just they they come and go
0: yeah it sucks well what what makes memes fun is that they're usually a satire on something and that's why i like shows like like Succession that are making a a satirical comment on something that we all uh, understand about the political realm, but in in a really funny and smart way on a huge scale. So it's obviously not a meme, but it's bringing that that virtue that memes have into making something cool.
1: Yeah. yeah my friend my friend uh, sent me a video today of like the humor of Gen Z and how like <laughs> how like the gen gen Z humor in memes is like very existential and depressive but also mm-hmm. like they if it, like there's like a time frame for a meme like if mm-hmm. it's if it's like older like it has like uh it, you know, it is generally celebrated, Mm -hmm. but then, like, if it gets taken in by, like, advertising, you know, which is, like, basically, pop art, like, what happened with pop art, it got all taken in by advertising, and, and capitalists, you know, Mm -hmm. the capitalists took it. Um, The (laughs) capitalists busted
0: in and stole everything.
1: I mean, but they did. It seems like Um, well, people just like to
0: colonize virtue. So they're basically just like colonizing a huge topic or something for public consumption at the point of transaction. So uh, by by virtue of it being transactional, it's not very, you know, spiritually enticing.
1: Yeah, but the the way that this video described it was like that like it didn't make it seem like Gen Z's humor was all that different from millennials. Yeah, well, it seems also, like we're kind of all lumped in on the same on the same wavelength a little bit.
0: I also don't believe in like this differentiation uh, between Gen Z, millennial, boomer. No. N- not necessarily. I I think there are gener- generational pathologies but uh most of these colloquialisms were really invented by you know media research analysts and invented for us to use you know i don't really think it kind of applies to anything i do think the the millennial pathology is true but i can really only say that because i'm a millennial so i'm not really in the place to speak on anyone else's genera- generational experience um i can just only speak for myself and say that everything is expensive (laughs) and getting more expensive
1: yeah see like the thing is like I feel like I'm like such a cusper like I don't really associate that much with like a lot of Gen Z Mm -hmm. because I feel like I was I got like the tail end of millennialism
0: when uh when did you first start being online like did you ever have like a computer room did you ever have a router dial up what's your experience
1: (laughs) um I definitely feel like we had a a router and a dial up
0: you had a you had like dial up internet like that but the computer so you your computer like when you were a kid it made like a huge noise and it was like that crackling noise that's like really loud
1: yes yeah
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah, I, I had that as well. <laughs> I yeah, definitely had that. um But I don't. I yeah, and I I was like, I feel like 2009 was the year that I really got onto the computer because that was the year that I actually got my mm-hmm. my Facebook. Yeah. And I was as I was reading that content article today, I was like thinking about all the like stupid posts that I would make. Like I'd be like, oh my gosh, like had to go to the parent teacher conference with my parents tonight, like.
0: Oh my gosh, I saw an old Facebook post status Ugh. update from like 2008 and it was like me as a middle schooler saying, oh, had such a busy weekend. It's like, what, <laughs> what are you doing?
1: Yes. What, what was I
0: doing in eighth grade that I had such a busy weekend? Nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like the, like the fact that like we thought that people gave a shit.
0: yeah. It, it, I was like obsessed with Facebook for a good like six years. Like I think I got my Facebook um, in two thousand and seven, two thousand eight, and I was just obsessed with it for like seven years, and then slowly I fell off.
1: Did you ever um, have a Friendster?
0: No. Did you have a MySpace?
1: Um, no. <laughs> I
0: wasn't allowed to have a MySpace. I was like so sheltered as a tween. I had to yeah. ask my mom to buy shit on iTunes and I wanted to buy the song <sighs> Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado on yeah, iTunes. Song. And I had to send my mom the lyrics because she's like promiscuous. Like, I don't know if you should be listening to that.
1: <laughs> Those were really the days when you had to like buy music on iTunes. Yeah. And it's
0: like, I did not even know what promiscuous meant. I just like the beat in the song. That's not that deep. Right. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. It was a good dance song.
0: Yeah, that yeah. was a great that was a great time in music.
1: Yeah. yeah. Nelly Furtado's Maneater. That was a good Man song. Maneater's
0: so good. Like Usher, Chris Brown.
1: Uh, Chris Brown really fell off. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, Yeah. Well, what was great about Usher and Chris Brown is that also on the topic of things getting more and more expensive, it used to be easy to make a music video where you have these huge wide shots of tech like 20 dancers in the background and like Usher Chris Brown like these are all these are artists who were really committed to dance and performance and a, make creating a huge spectacle And now when you watch a music video, the production quality is so low and small and intimate. It just feels like everything's filmed in the same studio room, (laughs) like maybe four different locations, three or four different locations, the same thing for the whole three minutes. But a lot of the, if you look back and like see a lot of like pop music videos from the early 2000s, it's huge wide shots, sets like that are like very large scale very expensive and like gaudy looking um and now everything kind of weirdly feels like it's on some kind of cg screen that yes. it's tiny everything's small and is made to look very aspirational and expensive but it just doesn't hit the same
1: yeah and the fashion is now harkening back to the early 2000s like yeah what is this well, I mean, everything
0: I mean, it, eventually comes back in style because it's so far away from us that it eventually uh, looks to us as something that's out of reach. Um, so it becomes exciting and aspirational. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's weird.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but it seems like it's like the the lo- like last thirty years, like truly have been like the mark fisher feedback loop
0: <laughs> no it, it is true it's becoming a, a used uh like a yeah a cover band of a cover band of a cover band yeah yeah a show it is on weird e,
1: there's a show on e right now that uh, adam lambert is like and megan trainer and some other random bitch are like the judges mm-hmm. and it's a it's a cover band show mm-hmm. it, Weird. So, yeah, that's so weird. weird. It feels very dystopian.
0: Oh, that's that sounds horrible. Because then the, then the incentive is just to repurpose stuff that has already been done before.
1: Yeah. And like they all are like dressing like the artist. Have you like this cover band?
0: Yeah. Have you heard the song 2021 by A. G. E. Cook? I have not. It, it's good. It's basically the same thing that you're talking about. Basically, <laughs> it's just like everything that you do has been done before. <laughs> everything you said, you said it. It's been said yesterday.
1: <laughs> well, and it's like it's not even that like that's a bad thing that like mm-hmm. things have been done before, because like, like archetypally, archetypally, yes, things have been done before, and that like there are like blueprints for all these types of things, but it's like you have to like take that, but then kind of take it apart and mishmash it together yeah. and then make it something new
0: yeah i mean that's why i like jamian's paintings because it is referencing so many different old cultural artifacts but it literally is like putting it in a blender remixing it chopping it and putting it in a whole new environment that i have never ever seen before
1: um yeah, yeah like that's why Dasha's film is so good because it like is. Uh, it's a 1970s it like riffs on 1970s genre horror films but psychological horror films but like it's still very much coming from dasha yeah
0: and it's not trying to have such a huge astronomical reach it's like not a lot of money you know just her and her friends and it seems very of genuine and true to her vision
1: right and she doesn't want everybody to like it yeah yeah but yeah. Like but with spreadable media mm-hmm. yeah. they want everybody they want everybody to like it and they want everybody to to give it a, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down so that they can mine it for data so then they can make the next thing that will appeal to you.
0: Yeah, it's weird how I get targeted ads towards me so like so quickly it is it does feel like someone is reading your mind which they basically are because all of your data has been uh, you know extracted from all of these apps so they basically can predict what you're going to wear 10 years from now what you're going to be doing in the future it's very very strange I don't like it I mean that's why I don't like the the public the public sphere because it just feels like people are extracting information and data from me uh, it makes me just want to burn my social security card and like bury myself in a hole. <laughs> I mean, I don't
1: have a, I mean, I don't. I don't have a problem like the general public, like everyday normal people. I don't mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I I have a problem with like everyday people who like have power. That's who I. I'm like terrified
0: of yeah I'm I'm terrified of uh, any any mode of uh, power even when I have I mean people always aspire to have power but once you get it and you have power over something you have to kind of deal with the consequences and the implications of having power because we all know that power is bad and like the only person who ha- should have power in your life is Jesus Christ himself
1: <laughs> exactly like yeah. the only
0: only person who r- truly does have any kind of power is the big man upstairs <laughs> <laughs>
1: truly see like and in, in the in the Giuliano Valani piece mm-hmm. she talks about like how uh, the, the interviewer asked her, like, it's almost like you, uh, when you like put a piece of art in an art museum, it's um, like, if it's like probably like deemed problematic, mm-hmm. like they think that you're like endorsing it or something. And like, I think like that it stems from this idea that like art is supposed to have a political sort of uh, power over you. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like it's just, she and she says like she's like I'm presenting something you can figure this out like it's not dictating something and that's the great thing about making art but now it sucks because artists are supposed to have opinions on everything Mm -hmm. and it's like why are you why would you want to ask an artist a political opinion when like they like they're so far like a good artist Mm -hmm. is so far like gone like and out there that they have no fucking clue what's happening politically
0: yeah it's like do I really want to know Joaquin Phoenix's thoughts on NATO or the war in the Middle East not really he's just an amazing actor and like really fun to watch and uh you know do I really truly want to know like uh, fucking Lupita Nyong'o's opinion on Uh, you know, mass incarceration. It's like, no, she's an amazing actor, like an incredible performer. And I just like her um, performances.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I just like want people to stop like, uh, like thinking that art is like trying to dictate something. Cause like, it's really not, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, like, it's not, it shouldn't be didactic, good art at least.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you shouldn't be encouraged or have this thought in your brain that everything absolutely must be discursive about some kind of political or public narrative and kind of try to uh, stray away from that as i try to stray away of any um, any opinion about anything whatsoever because my opinions are probably just as boring and commonplace as anyone else cuz Uh, at the end of the day, most people are pretty compliant. They just want everything to, you know, go smoothly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my opinions are so boring and stupid and, you know, (laughs) probably, uh, you know, mirror a lot, thousands of other people's opinions. Exactly. Yeah. All opinions are not special really.
1: Except like for I, the fact that we have a podcast, so yeah. What except we for say the does fact does that we, yeah, the po- podcast
0: <laughs> does matter. My only opinion that this podcast is the best podcast because <laughs> it is young and up and coming and is making a lot of waves in its immediate community.
1: <laughs> exactly. Although I would like for us to like infiltrate some uh, theater departments across the country, so any theater artists that listen to this podcast, they sh- sh- listen, uh share this podcast with your theater friends. Cause I really, I want to start, um, <laughs> I want to start having more theater people listen to the podcast. Yeah,
0: definitely. And also I'm just out of the loop so much with theater because it's so far away and inaccessible. It's kind of hard to take stock of what's going on in the theater community because it's such a tiny, tiny, tiny slice of you know the art world the art world it's so tiny um and theater is the best because no one makes any money at all and whenever I see a play I'm like oh this is incredible like these actors just do their thing and they have to go on to the next contract and there's no guarantee what your next project is going to be or if the next project you work on is going to pay your rent or if you're going to be stable and in that way actors are like very redeeming as artists
1: yeah, bring back repertory theater.
0: Yeah, definitely. I really, I really want to see um, Bug at the Steppenwolf, but I don't know if I really want to. I need to like put it. I'm have been so busy. I need to like shoehorn into my schedule. Um, yeah. See, I if just, I
1: in Chicago, I would totally go with you. <laughs>
0: well, right. I, I'm. Just, I just. I only have like so few people that I can drag to the theater. But also, I am just I feel bad because I am I, f- I feel so discouraged from going anywhere because I really am tired of the mask mandate. I know it sounds like so petty uh, you know, to talk about, but it just sucks because I'm trying to talk to people in public, in the public sphere and in public. It's hard because I want to see people's faces. i <laughs> I can't right. I can't register what. On an emotional level, what people are feeling or trying to communicate with me, because I can't, exactly. I don't know, I can't see half their face. So I don't know what the vibe is. Well, uh, that's is why they it.
1: want to keep the mask mandate going so that you feel cut off from any kind of human connection.
0: Yeah, they just all want us to turn into little tiny beans of people, like the bean.
1: Nicety <laughs> just let the mask mandate expire. So. Well, I guess I have that going. That's well.
0: Well, the the thing is, we actually hit our appropriate amount of COVID cases to lift the ma- the mask mandate, but then the governor was like, "Oh, you know what? Actually, it's it's winter, so the cases are gonna rise anyway, and people are now gonna get sick. So let's just keep it until after winter." Just so stupid. Should. Yeah. <laughs> it's dumb. Monster. And also, I was just at a concert last weekend, and it literally just means nothing. Cause it's huge. I or just saw huge, massive amounts of teenage. I mean, it's like the astral world thing. It's like, it basically is, there's no reason to wear a mask because it just uh, uh, assumes that there's going to be massive amounts of compliance. And it's already apparent that most places and people are not compliant. And you know, is there like a state enforced like mask that I can get sent to my place? Like, you know, like everybody is like, wearing different masks you can't you know it just doesn't make any sense
1: yeah I mean it wasn't it never was meant to make any sense no (laughs) to like it was all to like confuse us yeah but at least we have art
0: and uh mission accomplished because I'm extremely confused constantly (laughs) I'm like fumbling bumbling around through life like a lost puppy
1: (laughs) But that's am exa- you the podcast. To, yes, like, exactly. Reorient us. Reorient
0: and have some kind of structure in my life because my life is like bing bong bong. It's like all over the place. It's like <laughs> my life um, is like basically, yeah, a high uh, intermediate level escape room that I can't get out of and I've been locked in. But the person who works at the escape room place has left for the day and is locked and <laughs> locked me in.
1: mmm damn yeah <laughs> um, um well, good luck yeah, Maddie. <laughs>
0: good luck um i'm excited i've been making some music lately and trying to get better at that lots of things i still have to learn but i am, am slowly slowly getting better at that and i can see some of my like production skills slowly slowly starting to improve so that's yeah, i'm, there's I'm excited. A lot at the end of the tunnel yeah there yeah there is i'm excited about that um Wait, Josh, have you have you ever listened to Death Grips before? I have not. I feel like you would really like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll add this to the list. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's gonna be it's like my prime like wedding music.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, that'll be your assignment. Just listen to "Hacker" by Death Grips. Right. it like to the queue. <laughs> it's like my favorite song. Um, but yeah, other than that. Um,